0: Okay, so just to recap from last week, this is part two of our personal finance series. Last week was amazing. I learned so much much and realized how much I didn't know. (laughs) Um, But our our lovely guest, Elizabeth, was phenomenal. She's so good at breaking things down in a way that I actually understand. And I really love that she's a personal finance planner who is passionate about inclusive financial wellness and advice not just for the wealthy, yep. but for everyone. Yeah, it was great. And last week, we focused on money misconceptions. Um, we learned new terms like money baggage. Mm-hmm. And we focused on what our budgeting slash savings should look like.
1: Yeah.
0: My savings needs to be way bigger. Girl, I who are you telling? <laughs> And this week, we're jumping back in with more amazing, like, actionable things you can do to improve yes. your finances let's
1: get it before we get into it just a quick stat because you know we love to provide you with all the knowledge and stats <laughs> that we can a study found that only 34 percent of all americans believe that they're knowledgeable knowledgeable about our iras which
0: i'm not <laughs> i'm in the what is it? that does not know. Well,
1: and unfortunately, (laughs) 42% of men consider themselves knowledgeable about IRAs compared with just 27% of women. Yeah. We got to learn this shit, y'all. Yeah. We can't run the world if we don't know how to run the monies. That's a great point. (laughs) That's what Beyonce says. (laughs) Anyways, grab a pen, grab a notebook. Like I said before, this is noteworthy. Get ready to learn.
0: This is Loud and Louder with, with Holly, Holly and Misha. All right, so let's
1: talk about how we know that our finances are okay. I mean, I know that mine aren't after we've already had this conversation, but <laughs> I know that you wanted to talk about some steps to financial wellness. So let's, let's dig into that. Yeah,
2: so usually clients come to me because they want to work on something fun. Right? They want to buy a house or start a family or Mm -hmm. spend money on some other big exciting goal. Right. Um, Including paying for kids' college. I put that in there
0: too. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, Whole other story. But before we do any of that, we have to make sure that they're okay with the basics that they have this solid foundation mm-hmm. so we can go from there Got it. and when i'm looking for that to establish that foundation there's five steps that i look for okay we've already talked about a couple of them
1: i'm literally about One, to write these down
2: <laughs> <laughs> we also have a nice graphic i can send
1: you okay yeah send website, me that for sure so. okay. that'd be great um, we'll share it actually yeah okay yeah i'll
2: send that just remind me but okay cool the the first step is and I should say that we call them steps, but they aren't sequential. Like a lot of these are going to happen at the same time, and I don't want them to. Okay. But the first thing is having that rainy day fund, right? Fifteen hundred minimum if you're renting. Okay. The second is having that emergency fund, minimum three months. Okay. That's a harder one. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on Um, it. One of the pretty straightforward ones is just managing cash flow so that's actually that's step number one if we're actually numbering them um and that's just are you spending less than you earn every month like yeah. is the money coming
0: in <laughs>
2: more than the money going out? Right, right it sounds so basic right you know? <laughs> sounds so
1: basic but just like how calories in calories out sounds so basic <laughs> too but is it easy no
2: <laughs> right so those are three steps the fourth would be no credit card debt okay like if you have right. credit card debt we cannot talk about buying a vacation home right or right. like doing anything else fun with your money that is a number one priority okay. work
0: hard then play hard right
2: exactly and then the fifth but is it's, usually, sure that it's usually it's
1: usually just work hard play hard hallie it's usually not work hard there's a comma, hard. isn't there? Yeah, but we're
2: adding a word in there. I thought
1: it was work hard, play hard. Work hard, play we're, hard. We're adding then for the
0: sake
2: of Damn it. the financial concept. Yeah, but I'm working with clients who do have credit cards at, it's just work hard, period.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that, when it's though.
2: Time, then we can talk at home.
1: Ain't money. no time to play, play. I love that you're not messing around.
0: You're here to help people, and that requires honesty. Yeah, I get right. it.
2: Uh-huh. So, and then the fifth step is, if they're not contributing enough to retirement, like, that has to take priority over everything else, too. Okay. Other than, I mean, mm-hmm. other than the other steps. And yeah. why I said they're not sequential is that if you didn't have any emergency funds, but you also weren't contributing to retirement, I'd want you working on both of those at the same
0: time. Got it. Which makes sense. Okay.
2: Um, because you don't want to miss out on some of that long-term growth. Um, right. I think that that's where, like, there are financial... I mean, uh, I don't even want to call them experts. There are financial personalities out there uh-huh. that will suggest that you should get rid of all debt before you start investing. And um, I think that that's actively bad. Like that's actively hmm. bad advice because you are potentially if it takes you years to pay off your student loan debt
1: right you're and losing
2: you aren't doing anything for retirement in that time yeah oh, you really shit. affecting your ability for that money to grow long yeah
0: see okay going back to the money baggage i am so afraid of debt like i'm very grateful i've never had personal debt um because i've been so paranoid looking at um my parents and just like the decades of endless stress um and not being set up for retirement at all even in your 60s and 70s that's not where i want to be so i feel like i've gone so far to the other side at times that i've been so paranoid about investing with the medical school debt that my husband has but now you're blowing my mind
2: yeah i mean that that's gonna stay around for a while right you you're not gonna be able to yeah
0: because it's it's in normal for medical school debt is it like on average normal to st- six figures it's
1: normal to stick yeah. around for quite like my friend who's a vet she's like i mean who knows when they'll get paid off will <laughs> i continue to pay it yes but that's not a priority for me right
0: <laughs> okay yeah and she's and there are some everything. strategies
2: you should look at on yeah. the student loan side but yeah you want to make sure that you are saving for your future yeah yeah
0: Yeah, I need to book an appointment with you.
1: So when so so with that being said, because I know like one of my next steps is going to be to buy a house at some point. Yeah. So once you have those five steps, is that when I should be like, okay, I'm ready. Like, what what is how can I make sure that I'm actually ready to buy a house?
2: Yeah. So if like if if I was working with a client who wanted to buy a house, we'd say first, do we have those five steps? Um, and I should have said, with the retirement side, if you're not contributing 15% of your income to retirement, you're still
0: too low for Ooh, my comfort. 15? You yeah. got some work to do. 401k, yeah.
1: I think the most I did was 6%, so that's that's not enough? It
2: includes, it would include any employer match, so you don't have to get to the 15% alone. Um, I think for... at one point they
1: weren't even matching anything this shitty...
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Fifteen percent is what I'd want to see
0: because,
2: especially with people living so much longer, that money in retirement has to last you a while.
0: I've heard that. Yeah. Goddamn new life inspections. Everything's so great when we live to (laughs) sixty-seven. I mean, and I've heard I've heard numbers crunched by professionals saying that like you don't have to be like a CEO or a lawyer or a doctor. To have to be like super comfortable and set with yeah, like over no. a million dollars. Not if you
1: start early. Yeah. I mean, I'm like pensions. That sounds glorious to me, but pensions are not what they used to be. You and know? I Before, don't like know
0: what that is.
1: Pensions literally. You had a job. Once you're done, you still are. You Making still a receive salary? a pension. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, like. Teachers They're still lovely. receive pension yes. and there's Teachers, government gover- employees. Right, wow. so there's still people that, yeah, that's how people survive.
2: That. But on the flip side, those professions also don't tend to make as much money. Exactly. As right. they could in the private sector. So exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, what
2: we're essentially trying to do is make sure that your retirement is funded well enough that you can provide your own pension. Yeah. Um, and that okay. takes work, right? especially if you're coming in with debt and you can't expect any sort of inheritance down the line. And that's where the generational wealth is really a problem. Shut up. Yeah, to to slow
1: the roll. I wasn't telling you to shut up. Hallie looked at me a certain way when you said inheritance.
0: (laughs) It's not a bad thing? It's great to have... That. It is great
2: and it makes planning a lot easier, but it is that, something that not everyone yeah. has access to. Until yeah.
0: you're too comfortable with that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's why I need that to talk to you, so Elizabeth. <sighs> okay, so once you have your five steps in place, including specifically 15% of your income going towards retirement, Oof. then you're good for a house, or there are more steps?
2: Then we look at the finances of the house. Okay, so yeah, for sure. If you don't have 10% down, Right. Can't afford it. Right. I know that you can get loans with a lot less. Um, I don't think that those are responsible. Loans. So it's not responsible that
1: to that get those... like the first time home house. Like, was it a first time homeowner where you can only you don't have to put down the ten percent?
2: Yeah, it's just that the numbers end up being a lot harder. Like, okay. let's say you do that and you have no equity in the house, and then the market crashes. Um, you're in a much riskier position. I All would right. say the only exception to the 10 percent rule is if you get a VA loan because those are glorious. And
1: what's a VA loan?
2: It's for veterans, so oh, very shit. specific population. <laughs> well, sign um, up for the army. My country. <laughs> I will say though that if you live in an area, it's worth looking into options. Um, okay. If you live in an area that has first-time homebuyer assistance, right? Sometimes they will give you money for that down payment, right? Like a grant yeah that's great okay
1: that's what i think i was talking about okay
0: got it wait so how do you know if you like who who can apply for that or like who gets that
2: there's usually income limits so you want to look at requirements in the area google your city and state and you'll see the programs available um it's something i did when i moved to ohio is i looked at what programs i would qualify for okay so what
1: about and I know this is going in a different direction, what about credit scores before going to buy a house? What should your credit score look like? I've gone up by 120 points over the last year, by the way. Still not great, but it's not (laughs) poor anymore.
2: (laughs) I mean, the higher your score, the better.
1: Like
2: That's going to mean lower interest rates, which directly translates to the other affordability aspect of home buying is... Not only can you afford the down payment on the house, can, can
1: you, afford you afford the, the mortgage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, run those numbers. And because I guarantee you that whatever mortgage you're approved for, that is not what you should be
1: spending. Exactly. Because that's the problem is that people are like, oh, yeah, I got approved for $500,000. It's like, your mortgage is now $2,400. Oh it's God. like, oh, yeah. See, and right. the thing
0: the thing that I also makes me nervous, like, I'm not in any rush to get a house, is because. I've noticed like with apartment living, there are so many random things that go wrong. And it's great for me to call my landlord. He fixes it, he pays for it. And it scares me to think of like the cost of upkeep once it's your responsibility.
1: Yeah, but it's also your <laughs> asset.
0: Yeah.
2: Can I just say though, I so this is, I bought my first home when I moved to Ohio. Yeah. I showed up after a six hour drive from Virginia and found out that in the week the house had been empty, after it became mine, the furnace had died. No. What are the so odds? I had to replace a furnace within my first two weeks of home
1: ownership. Oh, no.
2: Um, so, yeah. No, you do have to be prepared for those things, but um,
1: it's also a really great way to build wealth. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. Because you are building I, equity in a home. I'm well, so glad so- I'm, I'm marrying a handyman because he would be put <laughs> to work.
0: And I guess, like, <laughs> the furnace you said is what comes out of, like, a rainy day... Right,
1: right. If you're set up correctly, or a cold day. so you day.
2: have to have you have to have that cash. Yeah, Because yeah. A lot of people also say, "Well, I have that 10 percent down payment. If I use my emergency fund, right? It's like no, no, that's not what that emergency fund. Yeah, sign don't is, touch or it. You cannot touch it for this.
0: Mm, that you makes have to sense.
2: have a separate pile of money for the down payment.
0: Wow, this is some good stuff.
1: I'm just trying like ten percent It's dumb, like
0: it? I don't consider myself to be a dumb person by any means, but when it comes to I'm finances, finances, I'm like financially inept. Like I have no financial liter okay, not no, but like I'm realizing how little financial literacy I have. And you are being so helpful.
1: I'm I just am sad that like I took all these classes and I still suck with finance.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's just it... What was this NBA fucking for? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, you have to hear it ten times for it to really be ingrained as like a practice. Like, or a hundred. Yeah. Or 100. you have
2: to be in a position where it's relevant. Ex- right. Like, exactly. When I I took one finance class in college, but I had no assets to invest. I didn't have expenses other than basic student needs. Yeah. Like, once I had a real job and I had an income coming in and taxes and a 401k, that's when it all starts to sink in. A that lot. is true. Cause
1: I will say like studying in college prior to my MBA versus during my MBA as an adult, things clicked so much easier just because like the more you real have life. more real life. Like even wit wits in his day two of going back to school, but even that, like he's like, he's like, I'm reading these books. and It's like, It just makes so much more sense when you have some years under your belt of just, like, living, you know? Like, things just are more relatable than when you're 18 years old and just ready to go to a kegger. I'm like, (laughs) like, Holly wasn't there, but
0: I was. What's a kegger? Right, kegger Um, what? (laughs) Honestly, like, I don't think I took a single financial course. It wasn't part of my theater or nursing curriculum. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have room for extra stuff, so, like, I... Yeah, there's so much I wish I had known.
1: Well, now in my at my um, at my school right now, they have an RD. What is RD? A registered dietitian.
2: Yeah. They
1: have a MBA program. It's the I think this is the only school in the nation that has an MBA RD program. So wow. that you learn uh, with your dietitian program, but also are able to intertwine business within it, so you can have your own practice and all mm, that. That's cool. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know anything about investments, stocks, IRA, Roth. I didn't know what the word Roth was until Misha just typed it down. I wouldn't have known how to spell that. So, please, Elizabeth, help. What do these things mean?
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, um acronyms are overwhelming and it's annoying so the things you need to know yeah. if you are not saving for retirement or investing is that your first investing should be in a retirement account right. because if you are thinking huh I should get in on the stock market Warren Buffett can do it um, you're right. probably setting yourself up for failure <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so what you're saying is Whitney should have not randomly invested $100 into stock the other week
2: <laughs> I mean, need a hundred dollars for that. It wasn't
1: more. He's um, lost them I... already. Oh no.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing is that there's risk with investing. We'll right. talk about investing generally and then circle back to retirement. Okay. Um. So investing, you're buying a piece of a company, right? You're right. buying a share of Apple or Amazon or Your whatever else.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And when that company does well, you benefit. And when it doesn't you lose that investment. right? So it's important to note that when you're investing, there's always risk. And there are two types of risk. There's the company-specific risk that, you know, Jeff Bezos had a bad idea and his company will fail.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or there's general risk, systemic risk. And that is overall that the market will suffer. right? And those two risks, you can get rid of the specific risk by diversifying. So if all of your mm. money is in one stock, you're exactly. either going to succeed or fail.
1: Yeah. Those yeah, are the two scary. options. Yeah, And
2: as you add more stocks in different industries, in different sectors, that sort of thing, then it becomes a spectrum. You can either fully fail, fully succeed, or somewhere in the middle, right. if most of the stocks succeed and one fails. Say, you know, it's a, it becomes this time, like a spectrum that yeah. you can be at any point on. So that diversification, owning a lot of different stocks, is what makes investing, I don't want to say safer, because there yeah. is always risk, but it's what makes it less of a gamble yeah. and more of a long-term strategy to meet your goals.
1: Right, because that's the thing about stock, too, though. It's, right. it's like it's you're not going in there to come up on... $100,000 in a day just by making this one-time thing. You don't right. want to... It's Long like time. you give the money you just back away and see what happens right. and it grows. If you were
2: interested in day trading, right. like,
1: head to the casino. You'll exactly. Exactly.
2: Um, so long-term is the only time investing makes sense. Yeah. If you need that money within five years, it should not be in the stock market. Yep. And when it is in the stock market, it should be well diversified. Yeah. so most people don't have enough money to buy like a hundred different companies of individual stock. Right. So instead you buy a mutual fund.
1: That's what I have, yeah.
2: What the hell Which is a mutual is, fund? It's, yeah, it's a group yep. of stocks. So, traditional actively managed mutual funds, you have like some bro on Wall Street who mm-hmm. is like, I think these 15 companies are winners. And so he buys them all and you buy into that fund. Yeah. So you own mm-hmm. a little piece of each of the companies that he in turn owns a little piece of. Okay. Right. Or the, the fund owns a piece can of that. I mean, ever... this is not technical, please don't
0: quote me. <laughs> No, <but that's, laughs> I mean, I clearly, like the breakdown of this. Clearly, today. I need this in layman's terms. Yeah. Um, so, can you ever pick? The group or is it only what someone's predetermined? No,
2: because you pick the group by buying the individual stocks. Right. You are basically outsourcing that picking process when you buy into yeah. a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. But traditionally, mutual funds historically have a lot of trouble beating the actual market. Right. Like the U.S. economy might go up by 10% and over a long term, funds have trouble matching that. So, back in the 70s, um, a personal finance hero of mine, Jack Bogle mm-hmm. invented the index fund which instead of trying to beat the market and say pick the 15 stocks you think are going to be winners you instead buy into the market as a whole so I am buying a piece of all of the companies that are part of the US economy and I'm banking on the US economy doing well in the long run got it So by the time I retire, I hope the economy has grown because then my investments have grown even if a couple of those stocks have failed.
0: So then once you're in retirement, you cash out? No. no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a whole okay, so like if we're talking about retirement and like losing your assets, that's a whole other breakdown. Right. But basically mm-hmm. you don't want to cash out at sixty five because you need that money to grow for another thirty years.
0: Oh, but you do cash out at some point during your retirement. You
2: cash out you cash out what you need, like you're spending from those funds. Right, you but, but you don't take it all out. Most of it you try to keep most of it invested. Still. Right. So okay. like when you said like
1: like you want a new bathroom or a renovation of some sorts. If you have enough money that's sitting in there growing and you maybe hit something, then you can take some out. But you always have money in there growing.
2: Yeah. And I should say that, like, when I work with clients who are close to retirement, like, this is a very detailed plan of like where the money's coming from, mm-hmm. what we're pulling, right. how we're going to handle any downturns in the market. Like, that's probably beyond the scope of this conversation. Yeah. Fair.
0: Okay. So, Investments are, I'm assuming, what also help towards generational wealth? Like, that's something you pass down? Absolutely.
2: Yes. So okay. when you're investing in, so like I mentioned, I typically recommend looking at index funds for investing. They have lower fees, and the long-term growth still looks really good. Okay. So you should be hopefully saving for those investments or buying those investments inside of a tax-advantaged account, which is where the retirement accounts come in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So if you were just to go and open an investment account or go on Robinhood and buy some stocks. Mm-hmm. That is not tax-advantaged, which means that at the end of the year, if you sell the stocks in there, you have to pay taxes on those gains.
1: Oh, I never thought about that. Right. But
2: if the money is in a 401k, which is an employer plan, or an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, then even if you trade between ideally mutual funds inside that account you are not taxed on any gains until you are at retirement and you pull the money out. Gotcha. To use. Okay. So that's why I say that if you're interested in starting with investing, the first thing we want to know is make sure that that's not money you need. Yeah. You have to be comfortable tying that money up until you're 59 and a half, because that's the earliest you can access it without a penalty.
1: And, And how much money would you say you should start with, with investing?
2: I mean, like I'd what's the low 15%, <laughs> 15%, okay. Of retire-
1: Cause that's
2: your retirement contribution. So that retirement contribution should be invested in stocks.
1: Oh, gotcha.
2: It's not just money sitting in a bank account. Right.
1: Oh, billing. that's it, what 401k it's is working. It's, working. it's working. Yeah.
0: Got it. Duh. Okay. So
1: you're 50. 50- so when we talk about savings, you're not literally like, so when is there a time that you should, okay. Okay. Got it. So a <laughs> savings account. <laughs> Is where you should be putting your rainy day and your emergency. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about saving for retirement, that should be in a, an account that's growing.
2: Yes. So, Got to it. be clear, when I say so saving 15%. for retirement, I mean investing. Got okay. it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That makes sense. One in the same. Got it. Okay. And what does IRA stand for? Individual,
2: Individual retirement. retirement Account. Yep.
0: And what is the that's... word Roth? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's that's where I'm going next. Okay, sorry. So,
2: (laughs) you have a couple of options with your IRA. You can have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. You can also have Roth 401Ks. Anytime you see the word Roth, it basically means the same thing for, like, the average investor's purposes. Roth means that you – well, sorry, I'm going to back up. A traditional IRA, if you put money in and you're under a certain um, income level – Everything you put in is deductible on your taxes. Okay. So it's essentially pre-tax money. Right. And then when you take that money out in retirement, you pay taxes on it then. So it's growing tax-free in the middle, but you pay taxes at one end. Okay. A Roth IRA just means that you're paying taxes at the opposite end. So the money goes in after you've already paid taxes on it and it grows tax-free until retirement and then when you take it out it's tax-free
0: got it do you have a preference of one or the other or is it case by case
2: yeah it kind of depends on the individual circumstance um because there's so many factors here like do we think you're going to be spending and making more in retirement than you are now do we think tax rates are going to be lower or higher in retirement like this is a Mm. lot of guessing yeah basically makes sense but like for example if you have a low income now and you expect it to grow significantly in the future like if aaron is making a resident salary now and will make bigger bucks later. A Roth is a good choice because this is probably the lowest tax bracket you'll be in.
1: Yeah. Got it. Okay.
2: And the other thing, though, is that if you're really looking for those tax deductions now, if that's something that is important, then a traditional IRA can be beneficial. I mean, ideally, I think it's a good idea to hedge your bets and put money in both. I think it doesn't hurt to have a couple of options at retirement. And you can open a traditional IRA, and a Roth IRA.
1: So when you say and in... only... Sorry, when you say in do you mean like 15% is going to that fifty? are we cutting now our 15% of retirement? No, 15% of retirement is, a full,
2: is full retirement. Cool,
1: cool, cool, cool. Okay. So let's
2: say you're... Putting I'm like, shit! Like,
1: oh God.
0: I mean, that adds up to close to 100
2: pretty quick. Yeah. Um, if you're putting 5% in your 401k, and your employer is matching 5%, and you're also putting 5% in an IRA, you're at 15%. Got
1: it. Okay. So, talk me away, because I keep getting these 401ks telling me how much money I have in here, and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. Talk me away from taking out money in a 401k, because I know that it's a big no-no. Tell me why.
2: Well, first off, the government is going to kick your ass. Uh Um, What does that mean? It means
1: that if
2: you take that money out before you're allowed to at 59 and a half for retirement, um, you're going to be hit with a penalty on top of the taxes that you'll pay.
1: How much is this said penalty? (laughs) Oh,
2: God. It's 10%. It's still not a good idea. It's not a good idea for a couple of options, okay? okay? I can tell I haven't convinced
1: you yet. Yeah, like 10%, huh? (laughs)
2: are some other reasons for that you can take out from your 401k for qualified reasons like medical expenses um, my mom had to drain her 401k when she was in her PhD program because she had an emergency surgery come up got it um, the reason that's problematic and obviously that was the choice she had to make right. um, it was pre-ACA health insurance was abominable got it. but the other thing that makes it a problem when you empty that four hundred one k is you are essentially starting over on that comp on that compound interest.
1: Right. Okay. So
2: that money is not growing for you anymore, and you have to start at you know zero or whatever that lower amount is. So it takes that much longer to get to where you need to be. Okay. And you've just lost out on however many years of growth it's already had.
1: Okay.
2: So it can be really detrimental to your Future financial security,
1: and
2: I think that that's something people struggle with, right? There's this, this, and it's it's a psychological phenomenon where Mm -hmm. we view our future selves as a different person. It's not mm-hmm. me at 65.
1: It's some like random old person. Like, know. right. So <laughs> you know, it's important.
2: It's imp- and as silly as it sounds, it's important to humanize the future version of yourself. Wow. Like, I've never thought about give that. Give her her name. Like,
1: picture her. Like, I mean, an old like, lady name? Guess. Like, Dolores? Should I name her Dolores?
2: You know what? Yeah. Dolores and you, like, Dolores likes her Bloody Marys and brunch, and she doesn't want to be eating cat food. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she doesn't want to eat cat food. Uh, I did
1: say your cat food smelled pretty good. Yeah, which is. Disgusting.
2: Like, Misha, Nisha, do you really want Dolores to be
1: homeless? No, no.
2: <laughs> Poor Dolores. Yeah. No,
1: yeah. her cute, cute Unless I was in Hawaii. Man, I was in Hawaii and homeless oh people they look like they have a great life out there. But no, oh, yeah. No. I don't know to be homeless. Okay.
0: I will literally be Granny Smith if I have grandchildren. How yes. cute is that? Ew. <laughs> Ew. I just like
2: vision envision like the future you and your future goals and how much easier it will be to attain those goals if you have financial stability for sure Okay. Yep. And please don't touch your four hundred one k. I Fine. don't
0: really to you to the watch if you need me to, but. <laughs> Fine. Uh, She's like, I'll get more intense with you when I know I'm not being recorded. Oh yeah, we're out, <laughs> like, I'm for real.
1: We're gonna have a call like this week for real. <laughs> I need, I need, I need advice. I need personal advice that yeah. these listeners don't I mean, need to hear about. This
2: not is just incredible. for entertainment purposes. <laughs>
0: this, is, this is seriously like changing my life. Like I have. for the first time like organizing my finances doesn't feel like this terrifying things thing it feels approachable and doable and i like i feel motivated to make some changes um with that in mind just to give us a sense of like how affordable you know financial planning can be can you talk about what you and your company offers and just like the basic pricing yeah
2: yes yeah so um Like I mentioned at the beginning, something that is very important to me is making financial advice accessible. Right. So I work with clients one-on-one, and I charge an hourly rate. And that rate is $185 per hour, which is actually on the low end of the industry average.
1: Okay.
2: Um, But something I'm really excited about that we just launched at the end of last year is to make this process even more affordable for people who aren't ready for that one-on-one step and that's to have small group planning <coughs> so it's a group of five to ten people and i work with them over five hours and i give them all the same information that i would in a one-on-one session they just have to do a little more of the legwork themselves that i would do for a one-on-one client Okay. Gotcha. And. Those group courses, which I think are, are the option for people who are really worried about the affordability of financial planning, are $250 flat for the course. Great. Got it. So you get all of that information along with a supportive community and the professional advice.
0: And so, correct me if I'm wrong, but you live in Ohio, but you're doing everything virtually anyway, right?
2: Yes, so I was working with clients around the country, and I have some clients overseas as well, okay. before coronavirus, um, and now we have obviously gone fully virtual, so okay. I meet everyone in Google Meeting, we talk through things, um, I think it works just as well, okay. it means no one has to travel to my office, yeah, I don't no have to travel anywhere, um, I can work with people all over the country, which I love.
0: Yeah, I just so, love like... I love your whole mission. Yeah, I love that you're not like skeezy in the least bit. Because <laughs> I think like it's also just
1: this... <laughs> thank God that'd be awkward, right? Yeah, if
0: we're like we gotta cancel this episode. Um, I mean, it would just be. I just feel like there's a stereotype around like fi- people who work in finance being selfish, out for themselves, and like really convincing. Um, yep. But I'm glad to know that there's this whole other market. not that
1: any of our finance. Listeners are what she just described because <laughs> I, I know some really good finance oh, people. She sure. says I mean,
2: I'm thinking of like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yes, I know that's what you're thinking yeah. of. No, and I actually want to say that obviously, if any of your listeners want financial advice and they want to work with me, I'm happy to work with them. But if they want to find someone local or specializing in their specific niche, I want to point out a couple of things to look for when looking for a planner generally. Awesome. Okay. And that is fee only, okay. right? So, so no commission, ideally, is that, what that means? fee only and hourly. Okay. Yeah, so that means no commissions. Right. And hourly means that their fee is not based on your assets. So I think that the assets under management model is outdated for the current investment environment. And I can, you know, get on a soapbox about that any day. But yeah. I would look for hourly for the average person generally okay. you're paying an hourly rate it's a lot more reasonable you also want to make sure that they are for a, a, a fiduciary like i mentioned earlier and that they're a fiduciary in all aspects of their business and that's important because i have clients come to me or i talk to prospective clients and they were sold a horrible expensive insurance policy that they don't need because the planner and I'm using air quotes here because I don't think they should be able to use that term. Right. Um, that person sold them this product and didn't tell them that even though they had a fiduciary duty on the financial planning side, they didn't have a fiduciary duty in the insurance selling side of their business.
0: Oh, that's gross.
2: So, yes, and that's where the skeeziness comes in. And so you want to make sure, like, ask your planner that. How were oh. you compensated? Do you take commissions? They should, they're required by, you know, regulations require that they provide prospective clients with an ADD part two decision
1: closure
2: which most people i think get the attachment and never read but that has to go into detail of all of the ways i make my money and okay. my company makes our money and what our priorities are and what our mission is so read through that if anything is mm. unclear and if you feel like they're giving you the runaround for answers go elsewhere We need there someone. Are so many great planners out there yeah
0: okay so they need to be Fully fiduished.
1: Yes. Cool. Don't, think that's Don't get douched. Yes. Be fiduished. I'm, say,
0: <laughs> I'm saying that out loud so that it, it sticks in my memory. That's hilarious.
2: And fee only, because fee-based fee means they can still accept commission
0: So Ew. are there
1: any institutions that you have heard bad things about that specifically we should not work with? Like, for example, when, like, you know, I wasn't. Wells Fargo had a lot of issues back in the day with certain investments. Like, are there certain ones right now? I know Wells Fargo they they're doing better than they, they they fucked up a while ago. But but are there any that you've heard things about consistently where you're like, you know, maybe stick a, stay away from those?
2: Oh, I think there are a lot of smaller companies coming in, Got it. like in the financial tech space. I'm not to say stay away from them, but say understand what your money is in and if it's protected and how it's protected. Mm -hmm. If it's savings, it should be in an FDIC-insured account. Got it. Um, And I think the bigger thing, though, especially if you're looking to open an investment account or a retirement account, is look at the fees because those fees can eat into your long-term compound interest really Mm. horribly. And, I mean, this is audio, so I can't exactly pull up the calculator and show you, but... If, if you're paying high fees, that can end up being, you know, $300,000 or more out of your oh. growth in forty years. Yeah. So, like, when Wells Fargo Advisors says that they'll assign you a financial planner, right? they're not really a financial planner. They're an investment manager, and they're probably charging you higher fees than you need so that's why I typically with clients because I don't invest my clients money I just make recommendations Right. and I usually recommend that they go to a low cost online discount broker Mm. this would be your Vanguard your Charles Schwab your Fidelity it's do it yourself you have to pick the investments in there but that's when you should work with an hourly fee only planner to pick the investments Mm. and then you're not paying ongoing fees for money that's essentially sitting in the same place anyway got it
1: also, sorry, to circle back really quickly, for the IRAs and Roth, with those, is there a minimum of how much money you, like, do you need a certain amount of money to, in order to open an account of that nature?
2: Not for the, the, the account itself. Okay. So the IRA can be funded with anything. Okay. Um, as long as you made money, unless you're an exception, but... Sometimes there will be minimums with wherever you're investing. Like, say you open an account with Vanguard and you want to buy into one of their mutual funds yeah. with your IRA money. Yeah. Some of those funds will have minimum investments okay. of, like, $3,000.
1: Okay.
2: But you can also buy into ETFs with that money, which is, like, a small portion of a mutual fund. This is getting... It's way more in the weeds. It's more yeah. technical than that. I just want to make
1: sure it wasn't, like... You need ten thousand dollars to start with no. your okay. All no, right, you cool. can
2: start with smaller amounts. Okay. And put it just put it in a fund that doesn't have a minimum. Awesome. Okay.
0: Oh, I've learned so much. Yeah, this is
1: really great. This is really great. And I'm like, really glad we got this. Yes, thank you so much.
0: I mean, uh, despite our pretty good googling skills, we could not have come anywhere near this. Oh <laughs> like, no. Talking to an expert. So is much great. Bad information. I'm on sure. The so, yeah. Like, So, for our listeners, we're going to get some visual resources from Elizabeth to share on our social media. So, be on the lookout for that. And then we're also going to um, probably share some research or just like share um, your company's. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put that. And like their Instagram handle and stuff like that. So that if you feel like you need some financial planning assistance, you know that like, this is a great option. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, this is
1: great. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you for having me on. It was lovely to catch up, Holly. Yeah. Second grade. Yeah. And (laughs) I'll let you know
1: if she like bounces back into that like bitchy, mean girl.
2: Maybe this is all like a long
1: I know. Now I'm thinking like, (laughs) I am an actress. Is she still there? And she just been (laughs) using
0: me. This is a really good performance. (laughs) But yeah. Thanks again, Elizabeth.
2: Yeah, no, I'm happy anytime um, you have money questions, and any of your listeners are welcome to reach out to me. I also manage our social media, so awesome,
0: I'm perfect. There. So we know it's good. Beautiful. Okay, this was part two of two, and I am literally hyped. Damn. Like I cannot wait to improve my finances.
1: Yeah, I'm about to pay the shit out of this credit card debt I have (laughs) it's not much but I'm gonna do it like
0: and it's gonna feel so good it's gonna feel so good I'm just so excited like by how much I learned like I actually feel like this is approachable yeah it I just feel like financial planning was always so overwhelming to me yeah and now I'm like okay I can do this and
1: this is just the beginning because like we mentioned last episode Mm -hmm. if you didn't hear there's a finance class, a small group financial planning session that Elizabeth's company is putting together, as Finance. It starts February 25th, so that's two weeks from today's episode drop, okay? Five classes run every other Thursday. We will be a part of it because yes. we are so ready to learn. can And it's, wait. Ev- it's at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard.
0: Yeah, and each session's only an hour. Totally easy to do, and usually this would cost $250, which is still a really great deal for personal finance planning, but with our promo code of LOUD and LOUDER, all spelled out one word, LOUD and LOUDER will get you an additional 25% Ah. Beep, beep, beep. Woo! I was literally about to do that. That's so cool. <laughs> it just feels so exciting. I know. Um, so we're sharing this on our episode notes again, and it's all over our social media. Yeah. We're just so excited to help you guys in your financial growth. So join us. Take advantage of this opportunity.
1: Yes. And per usual, leave us a review or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on our social media. You know the drill. Do it. Do it.
0: This is Loud and Louder
1: with Holly and Misha. Misha.